Welcome to Life Science Today, your source for stories, insights, and trends across the life science industry. I'm your host, Dr. Noah Goodson. This week, pox machina, an oncology acquisition, and we look at $360 million worth of biotech funding. The views expressed on Life Science Today are those of the host and guests. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any organizations with which they are affiliated. The same week that reports of monkeypox emerged in the United States and Europe, several moves also happened in the biopharma industry related to the far more dangerous and deadly condition, smallpox. First, Chimerics sold off the FDA-approved smallpox treatment, Tembexa, to Emergent Biosolutions for $225 million upfront and an additional $125 million in milestone payments. The deal brings the approved therapy into Emergent's account, who will continue to work with Chimerics to close a contract deal with the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, BARDA. With smallpox eliminated globally, the value of the medication is presumed to be in response to potential release of the disease through nefarious actors. Later in the week, the FDA approved an intravenous version of another smallpox medication, TPOX, produced by SIGA Technologies. This will provide additional potential treatment options for those that may be unable to swallow capsules. This work was also funded by BARDA. These moves all serve as a reminder of key considerations across the life science industry and some important trends. First, two years of a global pandemic highlight just how poorly many countries, and the U.S. notably, are likely to manage the spread of a deadly infection. Second, supply chains and global political tensions continue to drive towards stockpiling of critical medications in more local or regional hubs. The infrastructure required to maintain supply chains may result in meaningful shifts, but like all infrastructure-based projects, they take a long time to ramp up, but will have ramifications far past the current political and economic moment. In case it's not clear, there is governmental involvement in establishing the critical nature of supply chain stability. The FDA released guidance last week titled Risk Management Plans to Mitigate the Potential for Drug Shortages. Now. Monkeypox is very unlikely to be a major issue, and with any luck, DARPA smallpox supplies will never be needed. But the continued approval of medications for eradicated diseases, the continued awareness that viruses spread all too easily, and the push for more regional supply chains to secure medications may have far-reaching implications in the long run. Merck, MSD outside the U.S., has inked a BioBucks deal with the Chinese-based oncology startup Kalun Pharma, who operates as Klus Pharma in the United States. The data are fairly sparse on what exactly was licensed, but with nearly 20 targeted oncology, immuno-oncology, and non-oncology candidates in their pipeline, there's plenty to choose from. With an immediate $17 million payment, followed by $30 million when the deal closes, and then up to $1.4 billion in total milestones, this deal starts small and runs big. There's a good chance Merck is looking for oncology products that can overlap with their already dominant Keytruda. A quick glance at clinicaltrials.gov reveals over 5,000 studies that mention Keytruda. Merck will look for co-development and combo treatments anywhere they can find them. Though perhaps this deal is looking for a standalone medication. 
Like many other pharmas, Merck will continue to be on the hunt in the next year to snap up and sign on affordable assets that replenish their pipeline. This last week saw at least three biotechs pull in respectable funding rounds, totaling over $360 million. First, Inceptor Bio pulled in a $37 million Series A to kick off their oncology pipeline of preclinical CAR-T, CAR-M, and CAR-NK therapies. What I think is interesting about Inceptor is that they've taken the broader biotech approach that's been leveraged by a couple of companies. They add increased operational demands to disperse risk and provide more product control. So how this works is rather than having a single core therapeutic that they're banking on alone or having a pipeline of products that they can't really operationalize, they've acquired a manufacturing facility in Jacksonville and are developing their capabilities to manufacture cell and gene therapies as well as producing their own pipeline. This, of course, can run the risk of diluted focus. But in a market where high quality production facilities are scarce and there's a massive looming cell slash gene therapy production demand in the next five years, there is a real possibility to build a sustainable, high quality revenue stream manufacturing products for yourself and others. Now, their language in terms of marketing really stays focused on the therapeutic development and facilities as a means to that end. But just one year out of stealth mode, they're certainly making moves and carrying enough momentum for a meaningful raise. The Chinese-based Lakna Therapeutics has raised a modest $61 million Series D to advance their clinical pipeline. While the raise is relatively small in the Series D world, they have managed to secure partnerships across a wide range of their pipeline, with Novartis being their leading partner. This latest round will help them push forward their frontrunner, an ATK kinase inhibitor, currently in a range of combination Phase two oncology studies. Not much to report here, but the funding will hopefully see them to major reportable data. The largest raise last week was from Crea Therapeutics, who wrapped a solid $270 million Series C that will be leveraged in developing their gene therapy platform. If Inceptor is blending a traditional pipeline with manufacturing support capabilities, Crea has taken it a step further with a full biotech platform approach to gene therapy development. They basically said, okay, we're going to combine analytics, computational power, and manufacturing and run a ton of these developmental processes end-to-end in-house. That's not to say they don't have a pipeline. They do. It's just not where they're placing their branding focus. I mean, just at the beginning of this year, they acquired Warden Bio and their five preclinical gene therapy programs. And then later in January, they licensed a couple of ocular gene therapy programs. They obviously want to cross-check and refine these programs behind the scenes before taking a public stand in one niche clinical development direction. Now, it should be noted, it's going to take a lot more than a little Series C cash to get any single gene therapy to market, much less a full pipeline. But based on their positioning, I suspect their ambition is more centered on becoming a leading technical partner at preclinical development and facilitation shunting the clinical development burden off to partners through product sales and licensure. This, of course, is mostly speculation. What we know for sure is they have facilities, capabilities, a mostly opaque pipeline, and $270 million in cash. Thanks for joining me for Life Science Today, your source for stories, insights, and trends across the life science industry. Learn more at lifesciencetodaypodcast.com. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend. 
Once again, I'm Dr. Noah Goodson. I'll see you next week.